passage this morning for the sermon is coming out of Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. The Apostle Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the upward prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Um, you know, as you look at this passage, there's something that came to my mind. And the first thing that came to my mind as I was thinking about it was the children of Israel being rescued out of Egypt. And after they came out of Egypt, God began to feed them with a flake-like thing, which all of you know as manna. <laughs> and manna means, what is it? <laughs> That's what it means. What is this? You know, this flake-like stuff, this like frost on the ground. Uh, as I read this passage of Scripture, did you notice what it said? It said many times, it. <laughs> what is it? Verse 12, now that I've already obtained it, not that I've already obtained it, what, what is it? Or have already become perfect, what does that mean? But I press on so that I may lay hold of that, what is that? For which I also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. Again, what is it? But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to that which lies ahead. I press on toward the goal. What goal? For the prize. What prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus? I keep asking this question. What, what is it? What's the apostle? What is it that he hasn't obtained yet? Uh, what is this perfection that he hasn't laid hold of yet? What's the goal? What's the finish line, if you will? And in this passage of Scripture, it's uh, permeated with the terminology of foot racing. In order to compete in the ancient Olympic Games now, I have to say this, you'll see in the sermon that uh, I'm sort of, as much as this is permeated with racing terminology, I am permeated throughout probably since I was about the third grade with uh, speed running fast and reading articles about it. And in order to compete in the Olympic Games, in the ancient Olympic Games, you had to stand before Zeus and you had to swear out three things. You had to declare in front of Zeus that you had trained for 10 months. Now today, how many, how many years do people train to run one race? But you had to swear out in front of Zeus that you had trained for 10 months. You had to swear out in front of Zeus that you would compete according to the rules. And you had to swear out that you were not lying. And if you were lying, if you were caught lying, that you were willing to die. In running one of these races, they had a finish line, a starting line and a finish line, just like we do today. A little bit different, but they had a big stadium. And in the top, at the top of the stadium, you know, over here, there's the, there's the uh, emperor, not Pharaoh, but the emperor, the Roman emperor, in the press box, if you will. And down in the floor of the stadium, there's a starting line. And you go all the way to the other end of the stadium. It's 607 feet 
to the other end. They would turn around, they would start, they would go 607 feet, that's about 200 yards, and then they would turn around and come back to the starting line, which was then the finish line. That was the race. It was about a little over 400 yards, and it reminds me when I was in the eighth grade, I don't know if anybody knows who Bob Hayes was, but Bob Hayes ran the 100-yard dash in 9.1 seconds. And that was a big deal. And Bob Hayes was called Bullet Bob Hayes. Well, in the eighth grade, there was a guy named Houston McTeer that showed up on the scene, and he was in high school, and he ran a 9.0, and there were five handheld watches watching this guy run this 9.0. And this guy used to run a, a, with, a, with a train. He used to run beside a train, and he trained running beside a train. And he also, his, his school was so poor, they didn't have a track. And so in order to train for 200 yards or 220 yards, as they used to do it back in those days, they still ran 200 meters in the Olympics. But, but we, when I was growing up, we still ran 100-yard dashes and 220-yard dashes. When he was training for the 220-yard dash, he would leave one go, one the, the goal line, run to the other goal line, and when he got to the goal post, he would grab hold of the goal post and swing himself around as fast as he could to come back to the other end. That's what we're talking about. That's how he trained, didn't have a track. That's what these guys are doing. And if the person won the race, he would be called upward. He would get the upward call to go up to see the emperor, and the emperor would give him the wreath on his head. And later on, they say that the runners began to receive money. This sounds kind of like today, doesn't it? They receive, they get to eat at public expense, and they got free passes to all the theater events. So it was a big deal to win one of these races. You get this upward call to go meet the emperor. Well, that's what it is in an ancient race. But what is Paul talking about? What is this goal? What is, he, what is it that he hasn't obtained? And, and, and I, I thought this was pretty good. One of the commentators said this. Maybe it's just that he hasn't said everything that it is. Maybe he's sort of left some of it out. What is it? He doesn't give us exactly everything that it might be. Now, last time we studied this, we talked about the verses in verse 10, and he talks about knowing Christ. He talks about knowing the power of His resurrection. He talks about knowing what it means to be conformed, we said, to His death, so that we might out of that death come and live new, a new kind of life. Death, we're supposed to take up our crosses, die daily, and we live. I think that's part of what it is. But I think we can go further. At the very end of verse 11, he talks about being literally resurrected from the dead. That is being called from the stadium floor up to meet our emperor, not Nero or Caesar Augustus, but to meet Jesus Christ himself. The Apostle Paul, he tells us this in 2 Timothy 4, 8, The crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward to me on that day. When he's called up, he receives something from Emperor Jesus Christ. It's that well done, Jesus said, thou good and faithful servant that we're talking about. The Apostle Peter says the same thing in these words. He says, Once we finish this race, we will receive the unfading crown of glory from the chief shepherd himself. James, the Lord's brother, in 1.12 says this, The Lord has promised all those who persevere under trial the crown of life. The writer of Revelation, the Apostle John, he says this, In the new heavens and in the new earth we will serve him, 
We will see His face. His name will be on our foreheads. Chapter 7, verse 4, You will be clothed with white robes, robes made white by the blood of the Lamb. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 ends like this, And then we will forever be with the Lord. I think that's part of what we're talking about. What is it? It is that too. It's knowing Jesus. It's ending there. It's knowing Him in the stadium floor and it's ending there before Jesus Christ and receiving that well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, first of all, as we come to our first point, let me put it like this. It, it is only for those who have received the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It All that it is, you have to have a call first. You have to be called from the stadium floor to to the press box, if you will. And it all starts down here on the earth. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you're going to have this later, this future thing, you have to have this present thing. You have to be called to the starting line. You have to hear the gun go off, and you have to get in the race. How does that happen? Well, it happens through preaching. It happens through hearing the Word of God. It happens through an appeal. We talk about, I, I love what uh, Charles Spurgeon talked about, heat lightning. Do y'all know, y'all know what heat lightning is? In California, there's tons of heat lightning. It was when I was there. I never, every now and then you'd hear a boom. And I'd call one of the farmers and I'd go, is that, is that thunder in California? Don't ever hear thunder in California. Man, we heard it all this week, didn't you? Every day. Heard it every night. I saw lightning and all this sort of stuff going on. In California, there's this heat lightning going across the sky, up and back and forth, back and forth, hardly ever touching the ground, hardly ever touching, all back and forth, no sound. And then all of a sudden, there comes one bolt down to the ground. And Spurgeon said, that's what it's like. The Word of God's going out. Come to Christ. Jesus says, come to me. Jesus says, repent of your sins. Jesus says, believe in me. Paul says, repent and believe. Peter says, repent. John the Baptist says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And all these commands are coming to us. And all this, we're just hearing it. It's going back and forth all across your ears, hitting tympanic membranes and all the little bones in your ears and all that stuff that computes into understanding these words coming out of my mouth. And then all of a sudden, something happens where the Spirit of God takes these words that are flowing back and forth. He takes those words into your heart and makes you a new creature in Christ. It happens. I was talking to Mr. Jones yesterday, and he said, you know, one day I just, things changed. <laughs> Isn't that right, Mr. Jones? One, one day things changed. I was listening to uh, some people share testimonies. And um, this lady stood up and she said, she said this, he came to me. That's all she said. Now she didn't think, it, well, I'm not talking about, I'm, he came to me. He came to me through the preaching of the word. This, she was an oriental woman. She was speaking broken English. But all she could say was, he came to me. I receive that call upward. I understand that's what's coming. I'm in the race now. I've come to the start line. I've heard somebody say, ready, set, go, and I've taken off. 
I'm starting. I'm in the race. Well, it is for those who have received this upward call. First, it's for those. Second, it's only for those who have not attained it yet. It is for those who have not attained it yet. So, I don't know where you are. Now, maybe you just came off the blocks. <laughs> you know, they, they, have these, they have these new training sy- systems now. And they have these guys. They show all these guys. I'm really into this kind of stuff. And these guys are down on the, the, the line. And they shoot the gun. And they jump. They jump into uh, uh, soft things. So, they just learn to jump out of the blocks. They're training them to jump out of the blocks, and they, they don't want them to be afraid, so they put mattresses in front of them where they can jump on the mattress. And they do it over and over. They're working on every little part. I don't, have you just jumped out of the blocks? I don't know. Have you gotten halfway down the, to the three, you know, 303 feet mark? Are you at the 607 foot mark? Where are you in the race? Some of us are closer to the end of the race. But one thing about it, we're in the race, and the other thing about it, we haven't crossed the finish line yet we haven't attained it yet in chapter i mean in chapter 3 verse 12 we're looking at verse 12 three times paul says the same thing he said i haven't gotten there yet i have not that i have already obtained it number one have already become perfect number two but i press on number three in verse 13 he says it one time the apostle paul is talking to the philippians in this letter He's their brother. He's their apostle. If there's anybody who should have attained it, by now, it's this man. He's meditated on Jesus. He's finding his consolation in Jesus. He's been to the third heaven. He's, he's the one who's as close to Jesus as anybody on this earth could ever be. If anybody's going to have attained it, it's this man. And he says, I haven't yet. And so, what do we learn from this? Well, no sinful perfection in this life. But he says, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ. Now, I'm going to take issue with the word laid hold of. I think it's okay to translate it laid hold of. But when I think about somebody laying hold of something, I sort of think about wimpy. I think about, oh, I'm laying hold of. But this word, it speaks of being seized. This word speaks of being arrested. This word speaks of being apprehended. Now, I remember when I first, when I read, studied these words one time when we were in California, I, the first thing that shocked me, shocked me, I'm going through, you know, we're in the, in, the, in the country a lot of times, amongst all the almond trees, the almond trees, however they would say it, and, and um, I see three cruisers pulled into the, into the orchard. What's going on here? Cruisers, police cars are not supposed to be in the orchard. Well, they're chasing a bad guy. And there's a helicopter flying over the orchard. They're going after the bad guy. And the next thing you know, you look out there and these guys coming in, they're all apprehended, they're handcuffs, and they're, they're coming in, they're putting them in the cars. This is what we're talking about. <laughs> we're talking about being apprehended. We're not just talking about sort of laying hold of somebody. Understand, these, these, it's about being seized. And, you know, I, again, I've seen people around here arrested before, but I never, I had never seen so many people being arrested as in California. A lot of, lot of, lot of folks in handcuffs, a lot of folks in stores in handcuffs, a lot of folks on the side of the road in handcuffs. And here's the Apostle Paul, when he was Saul, he is on his way to apprehend those who love Jesus Christ. 
and he faces Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ apprehends him. Jesus Christ takes hold of him. Jesus Christ takes him all the way back to Damascus and it's there that he calls on the name of the Lord and he's saved. And now what is he doing? He is seeking to apprehend Jesus the same way Jesus apprehended him. Don't you love that? So now the Apostle Paul is in a squad car. He's sitting behind the wheel. He has the sirens on. He has the, the lights on. The lights are going. He is going 140 miles an hour with his handcuffs right beside him. He's going after Jesus Christ the same way Jesus Christ came after him. It's wonderful. I haven't laid hold of him yet. This is the assessment of our situation. We have not laid hold of Him yet. And this means that you and I, we have to throw out any thought, guys. Listen, throw out every thought about let go and let God. Do not believe that for a minute. Don't let go of anything. Hold on with all your might and continue to strive to pursue Him with everything that's in you. It's not let go and let God. It's pursue Jesus Christ. It's know Him. It's being conformed to, to His death. It's living. It's striving. It's going after Him. You will not have Him apart from this great effort. Now, what I've just said doesn't negate or deny the fact that our justification before God is by faith in Christ alone, by God's grace. When, God, when Christ dies on the cross and accomplishes our salvation, He does this so that we are justified by a faith that's alone, and it's also a salvation on the cross, so that we're sanctified by a faith that always works. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to be justified. He died for both of those things to take place. We're justified by faith alone, apart from works, and we're going to be sanctified by faith that works. Christ died so that we might rest in what He did. And Christ died on the cross so that we might have a faith that presses on and pursues Him. Somebody says, well, how can I know? How can I know if, have I, if I've apprehended Christ? Well, I just ask you a simple question. Are you trying to seize Him? Are you trying to grab hold of Him? Is He out there? <laughs> Is He out in front of you? Are you trying to get a hold of Him? That's what the apostles doing. And listen, let's put this thing to rest about the idea that somehow if I become a Christian, I'm some kind of manby-pamby man. Because I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, a, I'm not a, a, a rug people walk on. I want you to think about the apostle Paul. He's, he's been persecuting Christ and the church. He's Saul. He's a persecutor. And all of the zeal and all of the energy in this man's person is turned from that to pursuing Christ. Not persecuting those who love Him, but now He's pursuing those who love Him and pursuing to share the gospel with every single person and thing that moves. He wants people in the kingdom. And it's going to be, it's this massive energy in this man. And you and I, I I'm going to tell you something, folks. When you don't think you can, do it anyway. When your neck is hurting and you're writing your paper, keep writing 30 more minutes anyway. When you don't think that you can do it, ask God for the grace to do it anyway. Keep working, keep reading, keep studying, keep loving your family when you do not feel like it. When you get to the starting line, if, if you will, on your landing platform at home, home and you get get out of the car stop before you go in the door and say God help me love my wife help me love my children give me the energy to do these things
It's going to take God's grace. It's going to take effort. Are you in the car? (laughs) Are the lights on? Is the siren running? Do you have your handcuffs? It's going to take effort. And it won't be, mm, this is where, this is part we don't like. It won't be that we will do this perfectly. Three steps forward, two steps back. We're going to have mistakes. I'm flooring it. But here's my problem. I'm just a little bit behind him. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm grasping for him. And I'm maybe grabbing the, you know, hem of his garment. Right? I'm getting, I'm getting just a piece. And I'm discontent because I don't have all that I want. I don't know him the way I want, but I want to know him better. I don't know this, this power, but I want to know it better in my life. And so I feel discontented. I have, as somebody has said, I have holes in my holiness. But I want them to be removed. Right? I want to be more mature, but at least I'm running the race. And I'm not going to give up. Not going to quit. Well, third, third, it. It is only for those who are pressing on to it. It is only for those who are pressing on to it. Verse 12, I press on. Verse 14, I press on. Verse 13, but one thing. And the words I do are not there in the Greek. It's a nice way of saying what's actually been, what's meant. But it's one, one thing. One thing this guy's doing. He's telling us one thing. He wants to know Christ. He wants to know this power. And he wants to know what it means to stand in front of Jesus in the end. So let me give you a few thoughts on this. One thing. Pressing on with a single concentration. With a single concentration. If there was ever, you can ask my wife, this is the cheerleading part, okay? So I'm, I'm going to try to be your best cheerleader. When I shifted gears from being a pastor for about five years, I had to go work in the hospital for three years, and then I started doing personal training. It sort of went like this. I started, I started working in the hospital, and they wanted to cross-train me. And so in the hospital for three years, I was cross-trained. I could do cardiac rehab phase one, cardiac rehab phase two. I could do adult fitness. I was the community educator. I talked about blood pressure, nutrition, exercise, smoking cessation, stress management. I was stress management certified. Um, I did sports training. And I wore the EKG pager so that I could go do EKG strips for people who were going to have surgery the next week. And then at the end of all those three years, I was really up on all of that stuff. And I could do all of that stuff. Some parts of it better than others. But then I started doing one thing. I started going to people's homes and training them in their homes. I started going to gyms. I started going to football fields. I started going to places and training people and doing one thing. You know, I made a whole lot more money. <laughs> I, I, but but I kind of missed all those things that I, I could do pretty well. But I did one thing. One thing. Give yourself, Paul says, to one thing. Chick-fil-A, they do one thing. You know what they do? 
besides chocolate chip cookies that everybody likes. You know what they do well? You know, they don't do dark meat. They don't do wings. They don't do legs. They don't do anything dark. They do only chicken breast. They do it grilled. They do it fried, but they only do one thing. And they are very what? Successful. And this is what we are to do. Some people wear hats that say eat, sleep, fish. Some people wear hats that say eat, sleep, hunt. We need to wear the hat, Paul says, eat, sleep, Christ. That's what we are all about. For me, to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. One thing, seek His kingdom first and His righteousness. One thing, no laziness, no sitting around. Be firm. Be those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Be those who work out their salvation with fear and trembling. Remember Epaphroditus. He almost died in bringing the money to Paul at prison and when, when he was there to serve Paul at the prison. And we have no deviations. Do not steer to the left. Do not steer to the right. And if you run into any obstacles, you have to overcome them. This is the cheerleading part. How many of you watched Chariots of Fire? It's, you know how old that movie is? It's 43 years old. <laughs> That movie came out in 1980. It's, it's truly, Mom and Dad, it's, it's, it has the blessing on it. You don't have to worry about anything in it. It's a story about Eric Liddell. And, you know, one of the things, with, as time goes by, you know, when you watch it when you're 20, like I was, and then you start wondering, well, what part of it's true, what part of it's not true, and what part of it did they make and, you know, take liberties with and all that. Well, one of the things they didn't take liberties with was the, winning, the, the point where he's running a race and he fell down. You know, that first part of the movie, he's running a race. Eric's running a race, and he gets in a, you know, a bunch of guys, and he gets tripped up, and he falls down. And that's a true part of the story. He falls down, and, of course, they slow down the scene in slow motion, and there he is going around, falling down, and in slow motion, you see him gather himself up, and he gets up, and he begins to run. And he runs and he get, catches up to the pack. He passes the pack and he wins the race. That's a true story. He didn't say, foul, you shouldn't treat me that way. I'm better than that. I'm number one. Who do you think you are to do that to me? He didn't do that. And you and I, when we run into an obstacle, I tell my family this all the time. Here's an obstacle. When you have lemons, you make what? You make lemonade. That's how you got to think. The cup is half full, folks. You got to think this way. You got to keep yourself going. And so this guy gets up and he wins the race. <laughs> and yes, people shouldn't treat you that way sometimes. And you're right, people shouldn't say certain things to you. But you are you going to quit? You can't quit. Yep, that's right. That person was not kind to me. Are you going to be unforgiving? You got to get up. You got to dust yourself off. You got to say, I'm not going to let anything get in my way from pursuing Jesus Christ with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I'm not going to let anything distract me from doing what I need to do. When I used to shoot a, I used to shoot a recurve bow. I, I shot a compound bow. Then I started shooting a recurve bow because I wanted to learn how to instinctively shoot. That means you don't have a sight. And so I used to, uh, one of the things about instinctive shooting, you have a target about so big, four by four inches. And what you have to do, they, use, they, they tell you this, they say, aim small, miss small. Y'all heard that before? Well, if you're going to aim small, miss small in a circle about this big, you have to put a little bitty nail at the in, middle of the target. 
and you sit 10 yards away, 20 yards away, 30 yards away, and you force yourself to look. It'd be like me looking at Marriott's eye and trying to find her pupil right now in her right eye. I'm trying to stare at that little nail in that four-inch target 30 yards away. And I stare at it, and I stare at it until my eyes and my mind and everything works until I got that arrow going into that nail. Now, I am working on not being distracted. I'm working really hard at just looking at that nail. So I'm up in a tree, and I'm sitting there waiting on a deer to come out. The biggest deer I've ever seen comes out. And remember, you're aiming at that little nail in the kill zone. But this was the biggest deer I'd ever seen. And guess where the arrow went? The arrow went where my eyes were looking. It went right through the horns. I was distracted. I didn't shoot at the nail that should have been right here. I shot at the horns that were distracted me. Don't be distracted. Aim at Christ and you won't miss Christ. Aim small. Miss small. All irrelevant things have to be laid aside. Even good things. Sometimes really good things are laid aside. I haven't, gotten, I haven't gone deer hunting in 13 years. Maybe longer. You can come to my room, come to my house, I'll show you my guns. <laughs> I'm not saying you have to give up a good thing just to give it up. I'm just saying sometimes you choose what's the most important and you live, leave alone some good stuff. I'm going to tell you that you have to lay aside sin, Hebrews 12. Every sin that entangles you. The rich young ruler, he couldn't lay aside his stuff. He wouldn't go take, take and buy Jesus Christ and spend it all on him. You've got a man named Herod Antipas who loved to listen to John the Baptist. He did many things, but he wouldn't give up that sin called Herodias, his brother's wife. You and I, we have to lay sin aside. If it means going to heaven without a right eye, tear your eye out and go to heaven. Tear your eye, cut your hand off. Take out every agag and hack it to pieces. Men, I'm going to say it again, not to say that it's not for the girls. But it would be better for you to go to heaven with a stupid phone than for you to go to hell with a smartphone. Are you reading my mind? I, I, nothing, nothing else needs to be said. Pressing on, one more, a couple of more things. Pressing on by mentally obliterating what you've done in the past. In other words, exercising a holy amnesia to the part of the track you've already been on. Did you hear that? Holy amnesia, uh, looking back. No, you, if you're running this way and you keep trying to look back, you sure are going to slow down and you sure probably are going to fall down. So Paul is saying, look, uh, when it comes to all my past success and all my past failures, I have to uh, ha exercise holy amnesia over that part of the track or I'm going to be slowed down. But pastor, pastor, listen, um, you know, uh, did you see how bad that was in my life? Did you, do you see this failure? Okay, yes, it's bad. <laughs> you said it, you did it. Maybe you had it on video, maybe you don't want it on video, but you did it. I wouldn't have said that 20 years ago. But, yeah. But what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with what, you, what happened in the past? Forget. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not, well, we can't literally forget everything, but let me tell you how to remember it. 
you remember it like this. You know what? I confess that to God. <laughs> I got that under the blood of Jesus Christ. I've repented of that sin. And if I remember it, I'm going, Lord, I'll, I'll learn my lessons. But Jesus is walking me through this. And I'm not going to let this slow me down. I'm not going to let past failures and sins harm my joy and zeal for Christ. What about successes? You know, we can't let past successes. We have to forget them or we walk around self-satisfied. Now, I'm not saying it's not a good thing when you're 62 and you can enjoy 30 some odd years of hard work. You kind of have some experience, <laughs> but you sure don't stop reading and you sure don't stop studying and you sure don't stop obeying God and you sure don't stop loving your wife and you sure don't go, well, I've reached it. I'm here now. I'm not. And neither should you. And there are men. I, I sat down and I talked to Alan Strange a few years ago. Uh, I hope I can get him to come here someday. But he's one of our OPC ministers. And I said, Alan, tell me about ministers who get their Ph.D. And, and then they get self-satisfied. And he, told, he said exactly what I was thinking. They go and they work hard to get their Ph.D. And they work hard for about three years to get all their, their, their uh, classwork down. And then they just sit there and write on what they've learned. Don't do that. Don't do that in your job right now. And don't do that in your Christian life. You and I, we must strive. We must build more muscle. We must build, you know, we have to stay after it. Stay after Christ. Well, finally, pressing on by undeviating progression. He says this. He says in verse 13. And reaching forward to what lies ahead. Think about these men, their muscles. They're firing every neuron. They're going to the finish line. That last 607 feet is there. And you and I, we fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. And we do that because He fixed His eyes on us. He went to the cross. He saw the joy in front of Him. He saw you. He saw you. And He went through the cross for you. And now you are moving towards Him. Your eyes aren't deviating to the right or to the left. Well, that brings us back to where we started. Well, what is it? It's Christ. It is Christ. It's knowing Him. It's knowing His power. It's knowing that I'm running in this race. I'm going to hit the tape, and I'm going to be called to that upward call in the box where I will stand before Him and receive the crown of life for all those who love Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you in this place. We thank you for these words from the Apostle Paul. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would encourage our hearts to press on, to walk with our Lord Jesus Christ, to not let anything get in our way, no obstacle, to not deviate at all, to lay aside sometimes even good things, to get rid of all sins, and to not to look to the left or to the right, but keep our eyes on the joy before us, even as we were His joy. We ask, Lord, now that You'll take us home and give us a great day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.